Hello everybody, um, just a quick update before this episode begins. Um, I pre-record all my episodes months in advance um, and with doing so with this episode I didn't realise that uh, My Neighbour Totoro was going to be my 100th episode of all time. That's why I don't mention it in the episode because I wasn't then aware. Um, but this is my 100th episode and I just want to say thank you to everybody who has helped and supported me this far. And I can't believe uh, it's been 100 episodes of my main quest um, series. Um, in total, I think I've done about 125 or more uh, in total. But as for the main quest, it's just been 100 so far. Um, I will do a bigger, more extravagant um, celebration of that uh, later uh, next year when I do my uh, second year uh, anniversary podcasting wrap up. Um, but for now, I just want to say this is my 100th episode. Thank you very, very much for all the support. And I really, really hope that you enjoyed this episode. And it's coming out on Christmas Day. And I hope you have an absolutely wonderful Christmas day. See you in, the, in a minute. <laughs> Welcome to the Nerdstalgic Podcast with your host, the Ginger Howdy beans, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Nerdstalgia Podcast. I'm your host, Luke the Human. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're all good, as per usual. Before I get into today's episode, I want to do a bit of housekeeping, because I like to keep my house clean. So make sure that you follow me on X, formerly known as Twitter, and Nerdstalgic underscore pod, if you're kept up to date on everything and anything that I am doing. Also, make sure that you're subscribed to me on YouTube at the Nerdstalgic Podcast, which are where I release a new episode every single Sunday. So that is the housekeeping done. Another thing I want to do before we get into today's episode is I want to wish everybody a very, very happy holidays and Merry Christmas. I'm currently recording this in October, but when this goes out, it will be the holidays. I don't know when I'm going to release it, either Christmas Day or sometime in the winter. Obviously, you beans will know before I do. So I just want to wish everybody happy holidays. I hope you're having an absolutely wonderful Christmas so far. And I thought for Christmas, I'm going to do something very warm, very loving and from all intents and purposes, I think that everybody's told me about this movie I'm going to be talking about today is absolutely wonderful, magical, and just the perfect film for uh, this holiday season. Um, so I'm going back to my Studio Ghibli series. For anybody who doesn't know, I am taking a look back into a studio and movies that I've never really had the opportunity to experience to be honest. Um, one that I always wanted to, but never really had the opportunity to look into, um, Not even not having access because they're not on English TV. And when they are, it's very, very rare and spotty and it's hard to kind of um, get around to watching them when they are on or not really having access to them because they don't sell the DVDs in places and that sort of thing. Um, so this year I decided to go back and watch these movies from the very, very beginning, starting with Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind, which I absolutely loved. Then uh, I watched Castle in the Sky, which is absolutely incredible. It was like Indiana Jones meets Atlantis. It was wonderful. Then we had the heartbreaking sadness of Grave of the Fireflies. 
which I won't go into that one, but if you listen to my episode of that, I get really, really emotional. Um, but I decided after the emotional sort of experience I had with Grave of the Fireflies, I wanted to leave it a bit before I do another Ghibli. And I'm glad that the next one that I'm going to be looking at and the one I'm going to be looking at today and talking about is the absolutely wonderful uh, movie, My Neighbor Totoro from 1988, written and directed by Hayao Miyazaki. This movie, again, like I said, I've never watched it, haven't, but I've seen Totoro. I know what he looks like. I know that if you go down to Stratford-upon-Avon here in the UK, um, the Royal Shakespeare Company do a live action play of the um of the story um i know it's widely loved i know everybody i've ever met who's told me to watch ghibli it's one of the highest ranking like it's usually the first movie people recommend of like you've got to watch my neighbor totoro it will change your life you know or spirited away and and um upon you and movies like that uh so this one out of my experience so far was the one i really wanted to deep dive in the most and i couldn't wait to get to and i'm glad i've been able to get to it so early that it came so early um for my research and looking into it and i'll talk a bit more when i get into the development notes um but this was the movie that really what a lot of people would agree made studio ghibli a household name beforehand like they were doing a lot of really incredible films but what made them a main staple and what made them sort of you you could even say the pixar or even the disney of japan was this movie from all my research that is what everybody says like this is the movie that began it all and then from here it was it was just hit after hit after hit not saying the other movies weren't hits they were and they're incredible but this was the film that did it for them and that just gets me more and more excited and hyped um, to watch this movie. Um, so I can't wait to, to really get into it. So um, onto the IMDb for the voiceover of the plot. So <coughs> clear my throat. Okay, here we go. Two young girls, 10-year-old Sazaki <laughs> and her four-year-old sister May move into a house in the country with their father to be closer to the hospitalized mother. Sasaki and May discover that the nearly for- nearby forest is inhabited by magical creatures called Totoros, pronounced Totoro. They soon befriend these Totoros and have several magical adventures. Oh, thank you, IMDb, for really giving me a tongue twister there. If anybody doesn't know, I am dyslexic, and reading some of these Japanese names just really confuzzles my brain. So if I do mess up the names again, I apologise. Most of my Ghibli episodes is, is just me apologising for getting words wrong, names wrong. But I've I've found that the more that I read like Miyazaki and and um, names like that, the more I I say them, the more I can actually remember how to pronounce them. So I'm sure I'll get better at it as the episodes go on. But I do apologise for butchering uh, the names there. Um, anyway, uh, we're going to move on to the development. So after writing and filming Norska of the Valley of the Wind in 1984 and Castle in the Sky in 1986, Hayao Miyazaki uh, began directing My Neighbor Totoro of his studio Ghibli. Miyazaki's production paralleled his colleagues Iso Takahata's production of Grave of the Fireflies. Miyazaki's film was financed by executive producer uh, Yoshihi Takuma and both of My Neighbor and 
Grave of the Fireflies were released on the same bill in 1988. The dual billing was considered one of the most moving and remarkable double bills ever offered to a cinema audience. Now, I mentioned this in my Grave of the Fireflies uh, review that both these movies were uh, made in collaboration of each other and that um, Miyazaki wanted to do Totoro, but the financiers basically said, like, there's no way we would fund this movie. Um, so instead, they pushed the idea of Grave of the Fireflies, and they say, yeah, we'll do that one. And in a kind of thing of like, well, if you do that, can we do as a double bill, do My Neighbor Totoro as well? And they agreed. And that's why these both these movies were made at the same time and were um, released at the same time as a double bill. Um, and as I mentioned in that review, which I won't go into it, you've got to check that episode out to, to hear my full thoughts on it. Um, but how heartbreaking... Um, grave of the fireflies it's like i can still hear um the voices from that film in my head and it's it still sticks with me all these months later since i watched it but it's it must be really it must be difficult like going to cinemas and watching totoro and being completely warm and comfortable and full of joy and then to watch grave and be like mm my day's just been ruined, <laughs> you know. Um, not that it's, it's a terrible movie. It's still absolutely wonderfully gorgeous, beautiful m- movie, but it's it, it's hard. It is. It's difficult. And if you you know if you want to know how, how difficult it is, just go back and listen to me get emotional about it in, in my review, or just go watch it yourself. You know, yeah, it's a hard one. But I do I do still really find it very very interesting that they were built together in cinemas. Um, and I would I would agree it was a very re- remarkable double bill ever offered to a cinema audience, being like you got a happy, cheerful, loving movie, and then you've got a very hard hitting, true life sort of story, a war film. It's difficult, but in, still in, in, both incredible films. Um, and then anyway, <laughs> moving on to my notes before I get onto a grave and get more emotional. It's meant to be happy. It's meant to be Christmas. It's meant to be happy. All right. Back to the happiness, right? So, after working on 3,000 miles in search of a mother, Miyazaki wanted to make a delightful, wonderful film that would be set in Japan with the idea to entertain and touch its viewers, but stay with them long after they have left the theatres. Art director Kazo Oga was drawn to the film when Hayao Miyazaki showed him an original image of Totoro standing in a Sato... Ama, which is a Japanese term applied to the border zone or area between mountain foothills. Uh, Miyazaki challenged Ogda to raise his standards and Oga, Oga's experience with My Neighbor Rubber Games Oga, began Oga's career. Uh, tongue-tied. Yeah. Oga and Miyazaki debate, uh, debated the film's colour palette. Ogda wanted to paint black soul and Miyazaki preferred the colour of red soul from the Kanto region. Uh, the finished film was described by Studio Ghibli producer Tuso, uh, Tuso Suzuki as it, w- it was nature painted with translucent colours. Oga's conscien- conscientious approach to My Neighbor Totoro was a style the International Herald Tribune recognised as the traditional Japanese um, animatist sense of a natural world that is fully spiritually alive. The newspaper said of the film, Set in a period that is both modern and nostalgic, the film creates a fantastic yet strangely believable universe of supernatural creatures coexisting with maternity. A great part of this sense comes from Ogger's um, 
advocate backgrounds which gave each tree hedge and twist in the road an indefinable feeling of warmth that seems ready to spring into sentient life. Ogre's work on My Neighbor Totoro led to his continued involvement with Studio Ghibli which um, assigned him jobs that would play to his strength and Ogre's style became a trademark style of Studio Ghibli. Again, I do apologise of getting tongue-tied and twisted there. Um, it happens, being dyslexic and reading out loud. But I think I did quite well. Uh, but that is the sort of introduction. There's not really much more to say. I am really, really looking forward to this movie. As I mentioned, it is that film of the Ghibli um, heritage that everybody goes, you've got to watch it. Stop what you're doing. Put it down. Put it on. Watch it. Um and that's all you got to really have to say to me. Uh, there is a sequel, apparently, according to a few friends of mine, called May and the Kitten Bus. Um, apparently, it's only like 13 to 15 minutes long. It's not a very, very long movie. Um, but they did make a sequel in 2002. Uh, maybe I'll watch it when I get around to it. Like I said, it's only a short film. But yeah, might as well. You know, if I, if I like it, when I get around to it, watch, maybe watch the uh, this short sequel. But yeah, I am really really excited for this one so without further ado enough of my rambling enough of me getting tongue-tied and tongue-twisted let's get into it shall we all right so i've just finished watching my neighbor totoro and honestly this movie is absolutely wonderful it's absolutely wonderful awesome source gorgeous lovely so many words I can use. It was beautiful. Like the art and the hand animation, again, as you would expect, is top notch. Ghibli, again, knocked it out of the park. This is a home run. Um, it, this movie is absolutely wonderful. I can see now why it is so widely loved and recommended by fam, fans of Ghibli to watch this first. Um, I can understand why so many people have told me, like, if you're going to watch Ghibli, start here. Uh, watch this one because it does everything and anything. Like, it works fantastic as a poster. You know, best way to explain it. Like, if you want to know what Ghibli is and what they stand for and what their movies um, try to portray in terms of themes, messages, stories, that sort of thing, this is the poster child. And it does. It, it You know, it has become the poster child of Ghibli because it does everything that this studio is known for now and have done in the past and are most likely going to do in the future you know with the studio keeps going with all the new movies they make um so i can understand why this movie is so recommended why so many people said to me like luke if you're going to start with ghibli start here obviously you know me being me i wanted to start at the very very beginning with nausicaa and i'm really glad i did i love nausicaa and i've loved my adventures so far even with grave of fireflies even though that really emotionally killed me I'm glad that I watched it, you know, and I'm appreciative of the message and I'm appreciative of what it is and what it tries to portray. Um, but I can understand definitely why fans are so um, beloved of of this one and why people always be like, look, this is the movie you have to start with. So I get it now. Um, and like I said, I can also understand why Totoro has become, you know, the poster for Ghibli. Has he is everything the studio stands for. Beauty, compassion, nature, allowing your inner child to come out and to be full of joy. Um, and that's my interpretation of Ghibli so far is the fact of it is just a way to go back to, to your childhood, to go on adventures, to see magical creatures, magical worlds, uh, to 
be one with nature again, to be one with the spirit. Because when you're a child and you go out into your garden or you go to your local park or wherever, um, it's not like a bunch of trees and it's not a bit of green and leaves and that sort of thing. It's it's magical. You know, it, it's a fantasy land. You know, you pick up a stick and it's a sword. I still do that at 25 and I know people older than me that still do that. You know, you pick up a stick, it's now a sword or a dagger or it's a wand or it's a broomstick. You know, you go outside your door and you see the world is not what adults see it as. You know, you actually see the world as it, it is intended to be seen as a garden, as beautiful, as wonderful, as mystery, as full of mystery. Um, and that's what Ghibli tries to sort of portray in all their movies, really. Especially here with Totoro, is the fact that the world can be gorgeous and beautiful, um, but you've got to keep that inner child. You've got to keep that innocence. I know the world keeps you know battering it out of you as the older you get, but you've got to keep that innocence because like with the two little girls, uh, May and Sasuke, they only see, um, they're the only ones that can see the spirits. They're the only ones that can actually see Totoro and all the other um, dust gremlins. It's because they're young enough, they're innocent enough to be open to that idea that these things exist. And uh, they respect nature and they respect the idea and concept of what these creatures are so they can see them. Um, and it's the same with other Ghibli movies that I've seen so far. It's the fact of like the world is more magical than it appears to be. You just have to allow yourself to embrace it and see it. And if you do that you will see the world is a lot a lot more beautiful and wonderful uh then you know you you first come to perceive it and that's what i get with um totoro's the fact of him as a character and, and this movie very much so it is the postcard of ghibli and i completely get that now it all makes sense you know it's all starting to come together uh and i i'm glad that i finally got to here like i said this journey isn't over obviously i've got loads more movies to, to get through but to get to Totoro this early, to finally have that epiphany, to have that sort of smack in the face of like, ah, all makes sense now. It's a very wonderful and heartfelt experience. And if you people, you beans listening to this with me are also listening to each movie chronological, which I really do hope you are, uh, because you can share in this joy that I'm feeling right now, is the fact of we're starting to notice like it's, it's all starting to come together. And that is is lovely very very lovely so i hope other people can share in that joy with me as well that I listen to this um and if you're not if, you, if you're a casual fan and you've you've watched sporadically of these movies um if you have seen this film again i'm sure you probably understand what i'm trying to say um this film uh it, like going back to the, the review group that the proper like basic review side of it all uh this film is only an hour and 27 minutes but it all happens so fast and so full of joy and so full of wonder and so full of magic um you're left smiling with a newfound love of the natural world. So it's not a two-hour epic like Nausicaa or A Castle in the Sky. It's nothing like that. This is more um, of a of a quick, short um, animated adventure with the two little girls, uh, Sasuke and Mei, and that they are in a house with their dad. Their mother is in hospital. She's not very well. So her dad, their, their dad, shall we say, he goes off and he's a university professor. He goes off and studies while the girls are left at home with this huge forest behind their house and f surrounded by luscious green uh, fields of rice and um, nature. And they just play, play games, and they get lost in, in this adventure. And you get lost with them. You tend to just regress, if anything, lack of a better word, regress back to being a child, and you, you 
go along this adventure with them of discovery and wonder um while also having sort of the beats of hopefully the mum will get better and the dad you know he you can tell that he's worried but he's trying his best to be a good dad and, and make sure that they don't get scared they don't worry so he's, he's making jokes he's a very loving kind dad um you know when they first move in the house they feel like the house is haunted so straight away the dad just starts laughing manically crazily and the kids are looking at him like well, what are you doing that for and he's like well if you're if you're scared laugh really really loud because the louder you laugh, you tell any of the bad spirits, you tell any of the ghosts or any of the anything scary that could hurt you, you tell them that you're not afraid. And they all start laughing, you know, like manically. And straight away, it's that idea of like, he's doing his best in a situation that's quite difficult. He's being a stay-at-home dad. He's being a good parent while the mother is not very well while she's in hospital. And it's, it's, it's a very wonderful, quick... Um, short film well it's not very short short but you know what i'm trying to say so it's not the standard of ghibli that i've come to know so far it's very it's a lot shorter but so fast paced there's so much happening it gets going so quickly and as i mentioned i have oh i already had a love for nature anyway but i had that extra newfound love for nature the extra um sort of respect for nature and the spirits of the forests and the spirits of life and um Again, as you, everybody that listens to this knows that I'm a very spiritual person, so I believe in all this kind of stuff. Uh, but I have a newfound love for it all and respect. And recording right now, looking out through my window in my bedroom, I'm lucky enough that I have a lovely view of trees and grass and loads of beautiful bits of nature. And it just makes me appreciate every single leaf. Obviously, recording this right now, you'll hear it in December. I'm currently recording this in November. So autumn's coming, you know, the leaves are starting to go uh, brown and fall off and, and the floor is covered in leaves. My, my neighbor's gardens are covered in leaves, but it's lovely. It's beautiful. It's that idea of life and death. You know what I mean? It's that newfound sort of idea of like nothing lasts forever knowing that next year the beauty will come back and the beauty is never gone. It's it's a very wonderful found love and appreciation. Um, and this one hour and 27 minute movie has really gave me a newfound appreciation for for nature. Um, and it, that is, is a very, again, a very wonderful, loving thing. And another thing that I love so much about Ghibli that it just, every time I watch one of these movies, at the end of it, I'm just left being like, look, I, I have a newfound love of life, of friends, family, loved ones, nature, everything. My se- love for myself, love for the world. It, it's, it, it's, uh, I, I'm running out of words. It's just, it's so gratifying. I, I'm so appreciative of it. You know, that's the best way I can explain. It. I'm just very appreciate that uh, these thing, these movies exist, and that people are able to experience them. You know, it's 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 wonderful. Um, where was I now? I'm looking at my uh, notes because uh, I got so carried away there. I would bit my TED talk about nature, but uh, this movie was definitely needed after Grave of the Fireflies, as it really brought me back up and smiling. Uh, again, it still amazes me that these two movies were shown together, that they were a double feature. To be honest with you, if I'd watched this movie first, and then if I went into Grave of the Fireflies after, not knowing what that movie was about, um, I, I it wouldn't have ruined my experience of Totoro, but it would have been like, I this why, <laughs> why have you put these two movies together? They're completely two different things, both absolutely beautiful and gorgeous in their own right, but tonally and subjectly, 
two completely different things. Um, and if I watched Grave of the Fireflies first, I probably wouldn't have wanted to stay. Well, I probably would have. Well, I would have had to stay for Totoro because I would have needed that pick meal. You know what I mean? But I'm glad that I, I watched this one after Grave because it, it's brought me back up and it's cheered me up. Um, but I'm, like I said, I'm still appreciative. I'm still respectful that I managed to watch Grave and I still recommend people watch it. Maybe if you only ever watch it once, still go and watch it. But definitely after you've seen that, watch Totoro after because you're going to need the pick me up. You're going to need the smiles. You're going to need that newfound love of, of life and um, nature and, and the goodness of humanity. You're going to need that. Definitely. So I recommend it. Um, as I was watching this movie, though, I kept getting these major sort of Spiderwick Chronicles vibes from the film uh, with a mix of a little of Bridget Terabithia without sort of the heartache of the last one. I, mean, I promise there's no heartache. There's no death or anything like that. There's no sort of Bridget Terabithia uh, heartache. I promise that's not there. But what is there from Bridget Terabithia and Spiderwick Chronicles? For anybody who hasn't read the Spiderwick Chronicles, or who hasn't seen the uh, movie, uh, the basic idea of Spiderwick Chronicles is there's a professor who lives out in the woods and that he went out into the woods and he found that uh, in his back garden and, and hid in the forest behind his house, there's creatures, like fairies, pixies, trolls, um, evil things, but good things at the same time. And he documented all in a book and um, then his daughter get he gets lost he gets taken away because he knows too much of nature if i'm trying to remember the movie um and then like his grandkids come and they sort of rediscover all these things that he wrote down in the book uh, you got fimble tack and all that it's a wonderful film maybe one day i'll review it it's, it's absolutely wonderful film and i've got to get around to reading the books but the point is i'm trying to make is the fact of in spiderwick chronicles it's this idea that at the back of this guy's house in the forest there are magical creatures and that the the um forest is and not just that forest but all forests all jungles um all bits of nature there are magical creatures in there there are spirits but only if they allow you to see them will you be able to experience them would you be able to learn what they are what they do why they exist um so i was getting major spiderwick chronicles and it was really nice because again i grew up watching that movie and i, I do really like that film so having that, as well as having a mix of Bridget Terabithia, which is the idea of two friends. Obviously, in this movie, it's two sisters. But in Bridget Terabithia, you've got two friends that run off into the forest, into the woods, and they create their own world, that they're both outcasts, really, um, in their uh, life and in their world. And in this world, there are kings and queens. They make their own adventure. They make their own creatures up. And it's a very wonderful thing. So I was getting major Spiderwick Chronicles of Bridget Terabithia. Obviously, this movie came first because it came in sort of 1988. Um, but I was getting those major um, vibes. And it was, again, very, very wonderful. Again, I promise no heartache, no death. There's no death here. It is simply wonderful all the way through. Um, but definitely um, major sort of Spiderwick Chronicles of Bridget Terabithia vibes. Um, again, can't recommend it sort of enough there. Uh, again, I've fallen in love with Totoro. Um, he doesn't speak, but he says so much in his actions and mannerisms. Uh, if I, cause I've, I was wondering what like Totoro represents, like what is his manifestation? Like what is Totoro? And from looking at my research, 
Totoro can be seen as a manifestation of the Shinto deity, or uh, Kame, uh, K-A-M-I, um, a benign spirit of the forest and embodies the um, Shinto belief that gods can be found in all elements of nature. Um, his interactions with the sisters fosters a deep sense of respect for the natural world. Um, and that's kind of the symbolic of what Totoro is and what Totoro represents in this, that he's a spirit, that he is an embodiment of the forest that lives behind, that is lives behind um, these little, these two girls house. Um, and it's, again, it's that idea of sort of uh, what, what I love. And I'm, this is my next part is the fact of I've said this a billion times before, but I love Ghibli. And one of the reasons I love Ghibli is in effect also sort of you know the japanese culture is their love for nature they have a, a, such a profound love for nature and the natural world um see japan uh, has one of the most well-known and closest relationships with nature in the world it contains some of the most untouched natural environments of any country from volcanic mountains to dense um beautiful luscious tropical rainforests you know, Japan has it all. Uh, the Japanese believe in loving nature unconditionally, so much so that people used to see spirits and plants with pine trees still considered as holy. Uh, to this day, many Japanese celebrations are um, focused around nature cherry blossom parties being the most famous of them all uh, mother nature shares everything with them um, so they have a strong uh, desire to show their appreciation for nature and for the spirits and for the idea of um, we will only take what we need you give us what we need to live and we will only take what we need and if we can keep that up that the idea that we will always be in perpetual harmony with each other and i love it again like i said very spiritual person i i love nature i love everything to do with it so the sort of idea of um the sort of Totoro and their effect of the Japanese culture is it's what I love so much of Ghibli and what I love so much about this movie is just the fact of humans as a species or if shall we say not even a species of an animal because we like to think of ourselves as high and mighty you know humanity has gotten to gotten to the point of because we can invent things and because we have language and because we have a way of communication uh, we like to think that we're better than than animals than you know the average dog or the average bird or ant that sort of thing um but at the end of the day we are still creatures of this planet you know and the only difference is unlike the the a bird or unlike um any sort of animal that lives in the wild um we have lost touch with the trees with nature with the spirits with with um the forests um and i feel like the japanese culture they've still kept that sort of um relationship with them that there is they love the lusciousness you know they love the greenery they, they love to plant they love to um i don't know it's just it's that beautiful sort of harmony of 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 culture and nature and there are one in the same thing it's just the fact that we have to embrace it and that's one thing we don't really have in the western cultures is the fact of we want to keep knocking down trees and bulldozing fields just to build more and more houses and concrete and steel is very cold where wood is warm you know what i mean and i feel like we're just denying ourselves of the natural world 
um, and we're surrounding ourselves by cold things and that in turn makes us as humans very cold and sort of um, unloving unempathetic ununderstanding of each other and I feel like if we just surrounded ourselves by warm wood and nature and greenery and trees and a life and, and animals that I think a lot of people would be a lot more compassionate of, of not just the world that we live in but of each other because we're surrounded by warmth all the time you know um and that's what i love about ghibli and in effect again like i said what i love about japanese culture is their love for nature it's they have such respect for it and i feel like there's so much that as a western society we could learn from them um especially when it comes to nature Re so so much um we, we really don't there are times where I sit here and I, we don't deserve this planet because we don't. We're meant to be the gardeners, but we don't garden anymore. And that's the shame. We've let it overgrow. But in terms of doing so, we haven't let it overgrow. We've more so sort of let it... Well, so we say we've let the human race overgrow and fester and we've just not respected this planet and not respected this garden, uh, which is a shame. But uh, I love what this movie is trying to say. I love what this movie's trying to do. Uh, to be honest, my overall thoughts is this movie's beautiful. The art is beautiful. Again, the music is beautiful. I decided I didn't want to talk too much about the music in this one because I've done it so many times. But the music, again, is top-notch, is gorgeous. I miss hand-drawn animation. Uh, Ghibli's really bringing back that love for hand-drawn animation. And I would really wish that a lot of studios nowadays would see what Ghibli has done and is still doing successfully to this day and go you know what yes computer animation is easy or easier and cheaper but let's try and make one movie where we're going to try something else and i feel like it's starting to happen i haven't seen these two films yet but i've been told that the new uh, puss in boots movie and the new sort of sort of into the spider verse movie those two films are starting to really push the fold of what anim uh, animation can be and they're really starting to do different things and but i have heard off my friends are fan of ghibli and who are fan of anime that they're sitting there goes yeah anime did this years and years ago um so it's not new for them but it is new for sort of uh, our sort of the western culture shall we say so i'm glad that we're starting to catch up and we're starting to change things and i do look forward to watching sort of those movies and see how they've took sort of the medium of animation that we all know and tried it different because for a long time I'm, I'm going to use shrek as an example but for a long time sort of shrek came out and then everybody started to do sort of the same art style as shrek and disney did it the same it's the fact of you know it was hard to watch like tangled and be like it looks exactly the same as frozen or it looks exactly the same as this uh, or like coco looks like this and like you disney have used the same animation for a long long time they haven't changed it um and a lot of studios have done that. They've just been like, look, this is the animation that we make. Let's not try anything new and let's just carry on what we're doing. And in a way, Pixar have done different things, but it's still sort of in the same vein. It still feels Pixar-y. And my main thing that I'm trying to say is the fact that I feel that animation studios should try doing things um, that's out of their wheelhouse, go outside their comfort zone and try something different. Again, look at anime, look at these animated movies, see what the Japanese culture have been doing and be like, look, let's try and either emulate that or let's try to just do what they did and let's try something new and different. Um, and again, I feel like it would work. You know, the, the idea of taking like uh, Pixar and mixing it with Ghibli and to see what they could make, I think that would be a wonderful thing to try. Um, but yeah, my overall thoughts of my Neighbor Totoro 
it's gorgeous. Uh, I love it, and I'm thank you to everybody that recommended me to watch it for for years for keeping it in my mind's eye because I feel like if people didn't keep reminding me, people keep, didn't keep shouting at me that I needed to watch this movie that the idea of me going back and watching Ghibli now on the podcast wouldn't have been front and centre in my mind and I probably wouldn't have got around to doing this either at all or not yet. So I want to say thank you to all those people. And yeah, it's it's a wonderful movie. Absolutely gorgeous. You know, that is my end sort of say on it is the fact of it's a short, sweet, wonderful movie about nature and um sisterhood and it's just magical so if you want to get lost for an hour and hour and a half in a magical world magical land this one is for you definitely pick it up and give it a listen uh give it a watch even um now we move on to the trivia part of the uh review so as i like to do with my a lot of my new reviews i like to do a bit of trivia for those people that stay to the end so a little bit of things for those people to enjoy and I like doing trivia as well I like looking deeper into things and getting a bit of trivia so uh, this film is partially uh, autobiographical when Hayao Miyazaki and his brother were children his mother suffered from spinal tuberculosis for nine years and spent much of her time hospitalized it is implied yet never revealed in the film that um, uh, Sasuke and May's mother also suffers from tuberculosis as she was hospitalized in a sanatorium, a specialized hospital for tuberculosis pa- patients and usually located in the countryside, which um, caused the whole family to move to the countryside. He once said the film would have been too painful for him to make if the two protagonists were boys instead of girls. So that's quite fascinating. Um, the name of the two girls, uh, Sasuke and May, are words similar to the ma- uh, the month of May. Uh, Sasuke, Sasuke is an old Japanese word for May, and May is a Japanese punctuation of the English word May. Uh, also, we have uh, the five creatures and title characters of this movie um, got their names when May, the little girl who first sees them in the film, um, mispronounces the word troll. At one point in the original Japanese language version, when Sasuke first finds Mei sleeping in the grove behind the house, uh, Mei tells her sister she saw a Totoro. Sasuke replies, Totoro, do you mean troll? From the storybook. And Mei nods in agreement. This aspect of the story was left out of the 1993 Fox English version, probably because the difference between Totoro, T-O-R-O, R-U, the Japanese pronunciation of troll, and Totoro um, would have been lost on English-speaking audiences. The quote is included in the 2006 Disney English version, which is the version that I watched. Because I noticed that, because obviously uh, May, she's only four years old, so when she first meets Totoro, she asks him what his name is, and he goes, Totoro. He doesn't really speak, it's, it's more of like, um, like, a, like a growl, like a, like a gruff sort of, sort of thing. So, obviously, we we hear troll. She hears Totoro, and I, lo- I love how that was sort of added back in um, to the Disney version, which I watched. Um, so that's a bit of trivia for you for anybody that decided to stick around for that. One extra thing before I end this review, um, I like to do this every now and then when I watch um, Ghibli movies. I haven't done it in a while, um, so I decided to leave it for a year or two in terms of, of, of the movies of what year they came out um, basically when I did Nausicaa uh, and the Valley of the Wind I looked back at what movies came out the year that movie was made and I f- an animated movie specifically just to see 
um, how long it took sort of Western animation to sort of catch up in terms of visuals and story um, that those movies were portraying. And if I remember correctly, that um, Nausicaa, that one was kind of leading the pack. There wasn't many, apart from I think like Transformers the movie, uh, or maybe that was Castle at the Sky. Anyway, there wasn't a lot back then that would actually keep up with that movie. Looking at animated movies that came out in 1988, when this movie came out, as well as Grave of the Fireflies, it feels like Western um, cinema is starting to catch up in terms of what they were what they were showing in, and not just visuals but also in terms of story and topics and that sort of thing um so we have who framed roger rabbit which is a mix of obviously animation and live action oliver and company which i absolutely love and adore that movie doesn't get um enough praise in my opinion i generally feel like that movie should get a lot more love than it than it gets Oliver and Company is gorgeous. Obviously, it's a, it's a retelling of the stories, a story of Oliver, but with dogs and in New York City. Uh, Land Before Time, uh, great movie. You've got Akira, which I've never watched, but I've heard is an absolutely incredible um, anime movie. And then you have Grave of the Fireflies, obviously My Neighbor Totoro, uh, Daffy Ducks, Quackbusters, uh, Pound Puppies and the Legend of Big Paw, uh, Care Bears, Nutcracker, Sweet, uh, The Good, The Bad and Huckleberry Hound. Uh, Scooby-Doo and the Reluctant Werewolf, Brave Star, The Legend, Alice, Scooby-Doo and the Ghoul School, Ganadar, uh, Felix the Cat, the movie. I have seen that film. It's been a long time since I've seen it. Um, I remember I, my, my nan had a video of it that she got from a car boot. Um, maybe that's a film I look back and review because I do have vague memories of enjoying it. Um, and obviously Felix, Felix the Cat is not really a renowned sort of character nowadays. Um Especially not, probably not even here in the UK. It's probably more American. But I do remember watching Felix the Cat. Uh, then we have Rocking with Judy Jetson, uh, Yogi and the Invasion of the Space Bears. And then you've got Mobile, Sweet, Gundam, Ka- Char's Counter-Attack. Um, those are all sort of the animated movies that came out in 1988. In terms of animation... It's definitely getting better, especially with like Disney, Oliver and Company, and Blumhouse. I think is is it not is it is it Don Bluth who does yeah Don Bluth who did uh, the Land Before Time. Again, we all know Don Bluth and what his sort of movies, his stories and the movies that he made. Um, again, incredible, incredible um, animator and writer. Like he did Anastasia, The Secret of Nymph, uh, All Dogs Go to Heaven, and Titan AE, which I've never watched. But I've heard mixed things about it. <laughs> but definitely, he's he's made a lot of great movies and he, he's made a lot of great animated films. And you can see that as time's gone on, Western audiences have started to catch up in terms of story and art. But obviously, I feel Ghibli, at this point in 1988, was still leading the charge in terms of what they were producing, um, the way they were producing things, as well as their sort of context behind their sort of stories and characters and themes and that sort of thing. So I, I feel like they're ahead of the curb than all the other studios up until this point. But I look forward to seeing like when we get to say like 19, 1990s, which is not far away. We're only in 88 at the, at the moment. So it's only two, three years away till we get to um, the 1990s. So it'd be nice and interesting to see by then next episode next year season three um what other films are coming out and if they will be able to beat it and do better than it or if sort of 
Ghibli is still leading the charge, we will see. But that is it. That is all my notes. There's everything I have to say about this film. Uh, one thing I do want to say is, um, as we're getting closer to Christmas, um, I'm going to be doing a big um, end-of-year wrap-up anyway. But I do want to say this. Thank you for everybody who has listened and supported me this year. It means absolutely so much to me. It really, really does. Um, I can't thank you all enough. Um, also people that supported me with Ghibli and listening to each episode again thank you and I do hope you have a wonderful Christmas um, I really really do or even if you don't celebrate Christmas I just hope you have a wonderful end of the year and hopefully next year will be better for you if this year wasn't um, and yeah Thank you very, very much. Uh, you've been listening to the Nerd Stagic Podcast. You can find this podcast everywhere and anywhere. You can find podcasts apart from Apple, um, but you can find me anywhere else. You can also find me on YouTube at the Nerd Stagic Podcast. Um, also find me on Twitter at the Nerd Stagic underscore pod. Um, and yeah, I have been your host, Luke the Human. You've been listening to the Nerd Stagic Podcast, and I'll catch you in the next one. Okay, bye-bye. <laughs>